Welcome to the Tone Lounge Podcast, the definitive music industry and gear podcast with Jonathan Gilmet and Frank Fleckenstein. Good morning and welcome, guys. This is the Tone Lounge Podcast, episode number nine. We're very, uh, we're just one episode away from the glorious ten. Um, today with me. As always, my good buddy Jonathan Gilmet, live from Belgium, and also with us today as our guest, live from uh, Oslo, Eric from uh, Living Room Gear Demos. How are you Hello. doing? Hello, I'm doing good, <laughs> thank you. Thanks for having me on. Our pleasure. Yeah, thanks for thanks for taking thanks for taking the time. So you just said beforehand that um, you were in kind of a weather chaos right now in Oslo. Yeah, it's been um, super cold here for a long time, which is common. But then all of a sudden, just over the night, it became um, super mild, very warm. So there's water everywhere. I couldn't drive because it's so slippery and the subway didn't go all the way to my studio. So I've been like walking through a lot of snow. Uh, I'm completely wet and but I'm doing good. But yeah, it was a bit bit of a struggle this morning. Oh shit. It's a Monday. Yeah, we had the same thing. We had the same thing going on here. We had snow, which is very unusual for Cologne that it that it snows and it actually stays. Normally it just turns right to water. Oh. And um we had like minus eight or something, like two or three days ago. And now ta-da, plus ten. And yeah. rain. So it's like <laughs> kind of the yes. same soup. So this yeah, week. it's the same it's same thing over here. My kids missed school all of last week because there was like, I don't know, this much snow. So Belgians are not used to snow, so they were freaking out. I'm from Canada, so you know, it's like snow, come on. You know, it's the only time they <laughs> shut down the schools when you walk outside and you freeze to death like in two seconds, then they go, Yeah, it's a it's a snow day. You know, kids don't have to go. But over here, man, they were freaking out. So yesterday there was still some snow, and I'm looking at my emails going like are the kids going to school tomorrow? Like, what's going on? I wake up this morning. It is pouring rain, like typical Belgian weather. I'm like, nah, kids are going to school. I can do the podcast without having to worry that, you know, they're sneaking behind me like, Dad, can I have peanut butter sandwiches? <laughs> I swear. Um, so what we do here, usually we start with a little news section. And um, I've I've been like, picking out a lot of things because next week we're actually going to do a NAM dedicated uh, episode and we're going to look at some of the stuff that uh, is coming out at NAM. Although saying that coming out at NAM, it feels like so much stuff is already out. If I look at the stream of the past couple of days, it's like, why would you even wait for NAM anymore? It's like uh, all, all the major companies uh, already released like what's coming at nam so um it's kind of it's kind of uh, it's kind of pointless uh anyways <laughs> there are a few things that uh we definitely can take a look at so let me just um share my screen with you guys um and let me know if you can see that might be blurry in the beginning but then you might be able to see the see the screen you guys see that yep yeah okay awesome um, one thing that's not NAM related, which I find funny. So I don't know if you heard heard about that, but uh, apparently the Smashing Pumpkins are looking for a new guitar player, and they said that everybody can apply. 
And when they said everybody, they meant everybody. And it seems like they have received over 10,000 <laughs> submissions for, <laughs> for a new guitar player. And they have eight people full-time reviewing them. So Jeez. I don't know whoever, if one of you was like good at math, but I really want to find out how many submissions these guys can do in like one day <laughs> and how and when they will be ready. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm glad to hear that they have some people doing it for them actually because I was wondering that. But they have eight people you said full time yeah. reviewing yeah. them. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I'm really bad at math, so I can't help you <laughs> at all with <laughs> figuring out how long that will take. But they have a, a, a rather big job. Yeah, that definitely definitely looks like it. Yeah. It's actually, yeah, the band has received over 10,000 submissions for the position of additional guitarist. Currently, there are eight people working full-time to review each and every one. Um, which is, uh, yeah, actually, um, full disclosure, I was thinking about uh, sending in a submission myself, but then I was listening to a couple of songs and I remembered that I, I'm not the biggest fan of this band. So. <laughs> um, and then I said, well, maybe I'm, I'm not going to apply. <laughs> Maybe not the best idea. Um, but yeah, so Smashing Pumpkins. Then there are, yeah, there's a lot of NAM-related stuff here. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm still going strong with my kind of love, love, hate, not hate, but love, like doubt relationship with Gibson. So on one end, they announced that they're going to return to the amp market with these... Uh, Falcon amps that are obviously done by Mesabui since they acquired Mesabui. And I think I think that's really cool. I think these things I think they look really cool and um uh they if Mesabui does them they they probably are solid and I'm yeah. looking forward to see how they how they sound. Um not so sure if uh, any well what do you guys think? Yeah, I think they look really cool. I haven't heard them yet. I've just seen uh, some photos, and I did. I I did actually record an album in Canada once, mm. and mm -hmm. I ended up using a Gibson amp uh, mostly for that record, mm. uh, and that sounded awesome. I'm I've no idea if that's anything close to those new ones, but I think they look really cool. And like my experience with Gibson amps, um, it's pretty. It's pretty solid, actually. I've I've tried a few, so I would be interested in trying those, actually. Yeah, yeah I, I'd be interested too. Interesting. I um, I have uh, a 1965 Gibson uh, GA15 RVT. It's called the Gibson Explorer. I bought this thing for like 450 bucks uh, Canadian, so it's worth even less <laughs> here in Europe. Yeah, cool. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that this amp is more like. A lot of people were saying online that it was more like a Vox AC15, but as far as I'm concerned, it's more like a Princeton. It doesn't have a whole lot of volume, but when you crank it up, if you have like a really nice high output humbuckers, it gets like that really sweet Fender-ish type of uh, Fender Princeton kind of tone. And a lot of people dog this particular model. So when it comes to Gibson, there's some, uh, some of them that are really expensive and some of them are really sought out by people. But then you got the others that are kind of like, like you know, like that ugly dog or ugly duckling from the from the line. 
So I think that they might be positioning themselves to come up with like the fan favorites first and maybe then come out with other ones that they think is worth reviving. But since it's done by Mesa, which is a company I also really enjoy, like I really love their amps. I'm just wondering if it's going to be like a hybrid of what Mesa does with just like the aesthetic of a Gibson or if they're really going to go for what the original circuit was. So that's, I'm expecting like people to bitch about that eventually just because, you know, if they are not authentic <laughs> to like the old circuits, people are going to be like, I have an yeah. original one. It sounds like 10,000 times better than these new reissue ones. So I'm kind of, uh, kind of curious about people's reaction once they get to compare the old ones and the new ones. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. What I think is, uh, it's nice though. I think the pricing is pretty okay for that kind of amp. So they're, uh, apparently they're priced 1499 for the five or for the 10 watt. No, sorry. 12 watt. And then the 20 watt is 1799. Considering that, uh, you know, these are like uh, faithful recreations, and that at least that's what the what the news article says. And um, they're made in the U.S. I think that's that's pretty decent. So mm -hmm. fourteen ninety nine and seventy ninety nine in comparison to. And here's my that's where I go. I get to the doubt part. Um, you can also buy new Gibson pickups, which are like super awesome and great, <laughs> and they come in a leather case for one thousand bucks. <laughs> Oh, I always wanted that a letter case for my yeah. pickups since they're <laughs> already in my guitars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why? It's, I, I don't. I yeah, don't, I don't get it. That's, that's a great uh, question. <laughs> yeah. But it, I, I, I saw really a, a YouTube question. video yesterday. I, I I don't know if it was um, Andy from uh, the Guitar Geek, I think it was him, but he was saying like, this one here is supposed to be like a faithful recreation. So what about all the other faith faithful recreations they've made in years past? Yeah, Are yeah. those less exactly. faithful now? Like, if I want to get like the 59, you know, humbucker PAF sound, do I have to buy these ones? Or can I buy the ones from last year or the year before or the year before that? Where does it stop, you know? Is there really a high demand for this type of circuit? Not circuit, but this type of design? It's kind of weird, especially for the price point. It now. is weird. Yeah. It's funny. Um, and the, the other thing is that, so apparently they're limited to 1,000 units, which is like, okay, so they're limited to 1,000 units. But also I've read somewhere that they're already so, sold out. <clears throat> oh, so apparently, yeah, so apparently there are 1,000 people in the world that said wow two faithfully recreated paf gibson humbuckers in a leather case for 1000 bucks take my money apparently there are people who who actually like to do that stuff my guess is we're going to see a lot of them <laughs> on reverb afterwards for like twice yeah. the price <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> for a dollar more <laughs> Nice. I actually uh, often like Gibson guitars, um, but I I'm not a huge fan of their pickups. I usually swap them out like instantly. Um, oh yeah, yeah. So I would I would never buy this for many reasons. <laughs> <laughs> no. 
Not at yeah, this price I, point. No, no, thank you. Nope. I get it. Yeah, I think I think if if you wanted like something that's close to this like classic, um, like super bell style PAF sound, there are so many alternatives out there, and f- for way less money. That mm-hmm. yeah, this is and, and yeah, the, this is some this is some some weird thing for people that yeah, who are like really one thousand bucks. Yeah, no worries. Yeah, and, you and have my money. My my main concern with this is how do you how can you confirm if it is authentic, right? It's like we if you read up on those pickups. I'm I'm not like a super pickup nerd, but if you read up on them, you get to find out that. Now, oftentimes they wound, they were wound by hand, and sometimes on the Monday and the Wednesday and the Friday, they're not wound exactly the same because sometimes people would go take their break and the pickup would be underwound or overwound. So mm. how do you how can you make a faithful? Is it faithful to one set of pickups, or is it faithful to the like the whole line of pickups that were made that year? And when you know that, it's it's like marketing. Uh, talk when you th- when you think about it because they're saying it's faithful yeah but you have demarzio and seymour duncan who are doing their own versions of faithful but yeah. they're basing it on their own guitars or stuff like that right so at the end of the day when you consider it, it's like 9.99 for a set of pickups do you leave them in the leather case and just show to your friends say hey man these are the best sounding pickups <laughs> and they're going to be like have you ever plugged them in are you crazy you're out of your mind i'm not gonna I paid a thousand dollars for these. I'm not going to put them in my guitar. Like, <laughs> why would you buy that? Unless you're a dentist or a lawyer and you have like, you know, a lot of disposable income. I can't see regular gigging musicians buying this kind of thing. It makes no sense. Yeah, but it's that's probably touch. what it is. It is like a collector thing, I guess. Yeah. 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 And instead of, instead of saying like it's mint in the box, you say it's mint in the leather case. You know, that's, uh, <laughs> that's, the, that's the only yeah. that's the only difference. <laughs> uh, I have these Gibson pickups, and they're mint in the leather case. But you it's also have to keep tap, the man. leather box mint. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the, and the leather mint box is still in the box. <laughs> so quite literally, exactly. never and been open. Exactly, and I actually put it in a vacuum so it stays fresh. Yeah. Oh God. Amazing, pointless. Um, <laughs> one other thing that I found that I that I think was uh, was interesting uh, was this article uh, where they talked to Dave Ellison from from Megadeth, and I don't tend to agree with Lars Ulrich on a lot of things that he says, but I agree with him on two things that he ever said. One thing is that the documentary they did a couple of years ago some kind of monster was probably a mistake. That's what he said. And I agree, agree with him because I, it definitely, to me, I was watching it. It definitely looked like a, a mistake. And the other thing is, uh, he was 100% right about Napster. Um, and I also tend to agree with him in a sense where when I discovered Napster, and that's a long time ago, and um, I was still like, looking forward to cool you know i'm in this band and we're making some decent money and maybe we can continue this and whatnot and then i see people on their computers hey look i'm just downloading all that stuff and I'm like the fuck are you doing you know it's like you're destroying my dream <laughs> right in front of my eyes mm-hmm. um and yeah so 
back then I looked at that and I was analyzing it and I that was even before I saw that that Lars Ulrich was was suing Napster. But I was like, okay, this is this is going to change things. This is going to shake things up. Um, and I don't know if in a good way or in a bad way, but if we look at the current situation with Spotify and whatnot, then most likely in a bad way. Yep. Like, I used Napster uh, when it came out. Not a lot, but just for some few songs. And I couldn't really see it like how it would end up being a problem back then. I was probably too young and stupid. I was really stupid when I was young. So um, was I. We all were. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I totally agree with him, um, of course. Like, um, But I, I think if Napster didn't do it, it would have been someone else later. So it would have happened anyways. Uh, yeah. But I think it's really sad. Like in many ways... Uh, like the music industry music to me is like I just miss the old days so much mm. it feels yeah. kind of dead like yeah. uh, I don't look forward to albums anymore because it's mm. just there and uh, maybe I listen once and I'm not digging it the first time I've, I don't have anything invested into it so I just move on but if I bought yeah. a CD like I spent some time with that record and I learned how to like it and I was much more connected with the bands to to me now it's like I've lost that completely and I think that is really sad and it's also one of the reasons why I'm not at that active as a musician anymore it's probably why I ended up doing YouTube because yeah something is gone there sadly yeah Napster was uh one of those things like i remember back in the day i had like really shitty internet connection like 14.4k and it took me three <laughs> days to download one song it was yeah. supposed to be like corn and slipknot and when i got the song it was like someone else's song that they wanted to promote <laughs> and i was so <laughs> fucking pissed man like three <clears throat> days like i couldn't even receive phone calls or i would lose my connection right that was the mm. first and only time I used Napster. And then I went like, enough. I'm still buying albums. And personally, like I, I, I still believe in purchasing the albums. But people can do whatever the hell they want. But me personally, I still go like when I was in Canada, we had the Walmarts and they had these bins where you could buy albums for like $2. Yeah, yeah. So I would grab like 10, 15 of them. And my wife's like, are you like serious you're buying this i'm like yeah i am buying this because i still give a shit about like supporting the bands and i want to read the liner notes and i want to see who they're thanking because they contributed to, like that was my thing when i was a kid i used to love doing that and now it's like you were mentioning eric it's like you listen to a song on spotify or you download a song and if it doesn't grab you right away you move on you're like okay this person is invested in creating a song but is, does it move me? Does it affect me in some way? And it seems like there's not the same concerted effort on the part of musicians to make better music because what they're trying to do now is just grab your attention really quickly and make really poppy music. Mm, and yeah. God knows how we got there. I really don't know, but I'm, I haven't enjoyed music, like listening to music in at least like 10 years. I lost complete interest. My kids asked me to put on the radio 
And when I do, I listen to a song, I've never heard it. And I can tell you that I can sing the chorus because it's so childish in its composition that I can sing it like right away. I know exactly where they're going. And my kids are like, you know this song? I'm like, no, never heard it. But it's so stupid that a monkey could sing this thing, you know? And it, it pisses them off. And I'm like, it's not a, like my music was better. Is that your music, your generation should have better music. You should, you have yeah. like amazing musicians right now. You see these kids who can play music. They're really talented. Why aren't those kids making their own music? Well, they're not. It's better to be on YouTube playing other people's music that is really basic, but just, you know, going on and, and doing all this flashy stuff because that's how now they get recognized as musicians. Mm. There was a time where you didn't need to be that great of a musician to write really good songs. So everything's like backwards in music. That's why I've, I don't even listen to music anymore. My kids are like, your dad, you play guitar and you don't listen to music anymore. <laughs> no, <laughs> just, I, I don't, <laughs> it sucks. It sucks growing up and being older and seeing the music and hearing the formula sometimes. Like, I don't know if it happens with you guys, but I know exactly, like, those are the four chords they're going to do. And then I start singing other songs that are well-known that use the exact same chord progression. Yeah. And my yeah. kids are, like, so discouraged. <laughs> like, oh, Dad, stop it. I was like, Sorry, but it's all the same music to me. It all sounds the same. Well, I don't know. That's my spiel on uh, current the current affairs of music. I'm still waiting for the next of the Mars Volta or Queens of the Stone Age. Like, where's that group of like 18 year olds that are coming in and they're like throwing fuck yous at everyone going, we don't care about the system. We don't care about the norms. Here's some real punk music. Where yeah, is it? But the thing is for me that I, I still find those bands from time Do to you? time. Yeah. Uh, but still, I feel less invested in everything because of how things things work. I can probably work around that and be more active with buying vinyls and buying their merch and I should do that, but it's like mm. the market is forcing me to do something else which makes me a bit lazy, but I do still find good bands absolutely. Um but yeah, and I, I never cared too much about like pop music or the music that you hear on radio. Anyways, uh, I, I I've always been on like the hunt for finding the music myself, and I can find it still. But um, yeah, I don't care as much. It, it's also probably because I'm older, uh, and I think I've maybe filled up the bank a bit with yeah. all the music that I listen uh, to from when I was 10 to 25 and yeah, now I'm just like recycling that music a lot as well. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> I totally, I totally get that. I, um, I still find myself, um, listening to like uh, this morning. Um, I was, I was, um, <clears throat> I was heading out with my son and, uh, yeah, whatever music I hear, he seems to like, um, and it's very, very different music. Sometimes it's John Mayer, which is uh, which used to drive me crazy when he was like one year old or something. If we didn't <laughs> listen to John Mayer in the car, he was like, eh. and then you put on John Mayer, and he, like, okay, silence. Like, oh, fuck's sake, I'm gonna have to <laughs> listen to John Mayer for the end of time until the end of times. <laughs> but um, this mo uh, 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 like uh, uh, this morning, it he was fine with Catatonia. So. Um, 
Oh, I'm, nice. Right I'm, on. Yeah, I'm. I'm pretty. I'm pretty okay with that. But that's the. <clears throat> for me, I am. Um, I am blessed slash cursed with um with with very analytic ears, which is mm. a, a blessing if you work with with audio and you try to analyze and and mix and correct and whatnot. Then it's a blessing. It's an absolute curse if you want to listen and enjoy music because every little imperfection gets to you and you stop enjoying that maybe somebody is putting out something ab absolutely amazing there. Um, yep. And um, it uh, sometimes it really takes an artist that has is such is such overwhelmingly um, different or unique that I kind of shut down this analytic part of myself i'm like oh okay this this person takes me places the fun part is it has nothing usually nothing to do with the music that i that i used to listen to it has nothing to do with rock metal stoner or uh all these things it's usually something completely different like uh i don't know if you guys know have you ever heard of uh, uh carla morrison nope Mexican artist nope. sings only in Spanish, but has a voice and has a way to draw you into her compositions. As I, that that was the first time in like years that I was able to completely shut down all the theoretical nerd uh, analytic part with me, and I was like, ah, oh, amazing. I can relax, I can go to other places, I can be somewhere else for the moment. It's very difficult cool. to do that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I hear you. Yeah. So, uh, you almost halfway answered the first question that, that I actually had towards you, Eric, where what exactly made you go into being a content creator in the first place? And you you said... You know, maybe maybe this like kind of fade in and like being a musician and and aspiring to to make music and and go places and whatnot. Said so maybe that's why you're on on YouTube now. But uh, is is that like the entire reason, or was there another thing? Maybe you were looking at the landscape and you you saw like oh maybe there's something missing. We, we need someone who does things a different way. Maybe you saw a niche. Yeah, I think there are a few reasons. And I think, first of all, I was really into gear uh, back then. And uh, I also really wanted... I was really fascinated by guitar YouTube content creators. I was watching that a lot. And I was thinking if that was something that I could do. And I've never been a very technical guitar player. I'm... I'm I'm not there to blow anyone away with my playing. So I was unsure if I could do that because I couldn't just film myself and play something awesome. Mm -hmm. But I think the segue for me was demonstrating gear. And I was interested in filming and playing guitar and gear. So everything there um, was sort of part of me trying uh, to get into YouTube and I got a I think I got a clone centaur um, clone uh, from someone locally and mm. there was a lot of talk about that pedal because this was like early 
uh, centaur clone um, mm. times. And a lot of people wanted to see a video of that. Uh, so that was like the first video uh, that I made. And I, I also think a big reason to why I kept doing it was because I, I had been playing in bands for a long time. And when you do that, you spend a lot of time doing it and you get maybe something back. <laughs> like yeah. uh, every now and yeah. then you get something back. Um, and with YouTube, it was like instant. Um, you got comments, you got view views, uh, positive comments and negative comments, um, but you got something back from being creative. Mm. And I think that was the thing that kept me going, sort of. Yeah, uh, that it was yeah. more a bit more like instant, because I I think with music I was probably chasing uh, that getting something back a bit too much instead of just enjoying it. Mm. If I started a band now, I would just do it because I wanted to do it. I wouldn't mm. care about like anything what people or maybe I would I would probably care about positive feedback if I got that. But like being in bands back then, it was always like, yeah, we need to get a record deal. And we didn't <laughs> like enjoy the process at all. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> um, but with YouTube, um, yeah, at least back then, it was very like instant. You did a day's work and you got a lot back for that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's a mix of reasons why I got into it. But I, a lot of what... It was gear and like just YouTube, like the community getting something back from being creative, I guess. Okay. Do you find, Eric, that uh, doing YouTube has become like a creative outlet for you? Because I've noticed, I'm asking this because I've noticed, I've been following your channel for a really long time, right? So I remember the days where we wouldn't see you. You were just filming the guitar and the pedal and you weren't talking and then I saw the progression from you going from there and then starting to experiment with like camera zooms and stuff like that. And I saw you go into like really having some really more complex video editing and video techniques. So is this more of a like now creative thing for you mixing audio and video? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, like I just see myself now that I'm, I'm, less interested in guitar gear which i think it's i've been on youtube for 10 years i worked in guitar stores at some point you you <laughs> you've yeah, seen you a lot watch. of guitar gear so for <laughs> yeah. me the, the only way to survive on youtube is the creative part making stuff okay so um so i do for example i do less videos now i do less demos i, I just basically try to come up with ideas that sort of like gets me into it again. Mm. And of course, guitar gear is often a part of that. Um, mm -hmm. But it's for, for me now, it's more about being creative and making stuff. And then, um, of course, it's a guitar channel. So I need, I need to have <laughs> music and guitar in there to be able to, to have people watch it. But yeah, it's, it's definitely... Uh, the creative part and filming. I, I really love filming. So what I do now is I would say uh, 40, 
50% of my, my job is YouTube and the rest is as a cinematographer. So I do filming, I do like commercials and interviews and corporate stuff here in Oslo. So um, I also really like the filming part of it. And I learned that through YouTube, uh, through YouTube basically. Wow, that's... That's, that's interesting. <clears throat> that's interesting. Um, I um, but it's funny you you say that. I kind of went into the same direction. I started YouTube at some point. I I wasn't very consistent, so at some point the whole thing obviously died down a little bit. But um, because of because of this like aspiration to try to make the YouTube content better and to make the film quality like the video quality better and the the editing quality and whatnot. At some point, I would go into uh, the like the, there was this band. Hey, can you take uh, pictures of us? Um, it seems like you have a good eye for like uh, you know aesthetics. And then I did a photo shoot with that band. And then another band came around. It's like, uh, hey, can you can you help us to shoot a video and whatnot? And then I helped these guys. So kind of in the same direction. I'm not you doing it now as a uh, job, uh, sadly or maybe not maybe not entirely sadly because uh, I also think that there might be clients that are difficult to deal with uh, depending on yeah. depending on what they want oh, but yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like 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 everywhere um, how do you think that you said you're doing YouTube for 10 years now how do you think YouTube has has changed I mean obviously you have changed you said uh, you were less interested in guitar gear I I can I can double on that because it's the same thing. I've been working in this industry, guitar gear related for 26 years now. So obviously, um, at some point you're like, um, oh, you know, Nam comes around and they're coming around, coming out with all these things, and you're like, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you're not like, wow, Nam, let's go. Um, but just looking at at YouTube, how do you think YouTube has changed, especially for content creators around? gear in the past 10 years apart from the fact that it has been more dense because there's more people around than ever but also not all of these really they they make it to the top if there is a top if we can speak about something that's called the top yeah well i think the biggest thing that you can see is that like just going back maybe five years maybe even more I could get a pedal and I could make a demo of it and I would get 30,000 views pretty like easily. That is not happening anymore. Hmm. Um, part of that is because there are more people doing those demos and there are more pedals now than back then. Hmm. But it seems like people, they want something more from the videos. Um, mm -hmm. they do check out like technical demos uh, but people seem to be more into like thematic stuff uh, maybe maybe that pedal put it into a context mm. and that's that's probably the thing that I'm struggling the most with um, uh, because I still want to do some gear that is sent to me I need to do that to to earn money mm. Uh, but I don't want to just make a regular demo because then I know that they're paying a rather high price for it and I might get 2,000 views 
Um, of course, they can use that video forever to showcase how that pedal sounds, but I'm yes. not like I can't really say that I'm I'm uh, I'm fi I'm finding a new audience for them anymore because that's something that I could like argue before when I was arguing for my price. So mm. it's it's trying to put that gear into a context that that is genuine, uh, and that it's really fun, but also really hard sometimes um, because you basically need to have a completely new idea every time uh, and that is really really hard so it it feels now that us youtubers we are chasing the viewers a lot harder than before and i think that's why you see a lot of youtubers quit like not only guitar youtubers but just a lot of youtubers are completely burned out by doing it for a long time um i think youtube has changed like people talk <laughs> about the algorithm all the time i think mm. that has changed but also people who watch youtube change it's not easy to say whose fault it is or if it's like necessarily a negative thing things just um change mm. which can be a bit it's a bit hard when it's your job to always uh, change and always find the thing that is working. Um, yeah. So, but at least what I see, the thing that see seems to be the th uh, the trend is like guitar gear put into a context with people that they like to watch uh, and. If they're good at playing guitar, that's also a good, huge plus. You see, like, um, Red Shull, uh, Rick Beato, mm. uh, that pedal show, they're doing really good because they have likable people who plays really well, and they're able to put the gear into a context. Uh, which, me, as a con consumer of videos, I'm, I'm like that also. Like, I'm... Um, I might check out a demo of some pedals if I'm really like interested, mm. but usually I'm I'm going for the videos where where there's a context and there's a theme around uh, the gear. Usually, yeah, that's the that, that's what I see. That's what I see a lot um, as well, and it kind of goes along with something that. So a, fr a friend of mine is a. Uh, media science person he never studied but he got into it at some point um and now he's really good at it and he's actually consulting for companies that want to be good in the media game and he said to me at some point when he was looking at like guitar youtube and he was looking at all the different content at some point in the conversation he told me you know what i found out about all that stuff that you are working with and that you're looking at and I said oh, tell me and he said the educational stuff where uh, gear is put into has a longer life a longer you know like cycle than somebody just putting something in there and say that's the XYZ and it does that and here's a sound and here's, here's my clean tone um, yeah. and um so apparently, yeah, you're right. Educational material has a longer cycle, longer period, because it engages in a different way. You're like, you know, the 
you're putting four delays and what's the best 80s style delay and then people stick to the end because like oh i really want to know which is the best 80s style delay yeah and then right. you put products in there yes yeah okay um i agree i agree and we have scientific proof <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, there, there's that. And I've noticed also, uh, Eric, that you've done some videos where you purchase gear and you go after the tone of like famous guitar players that use the gear, like let's say Queen of the Stone Age. Mm. So you're buying like the one amp and then you're trying it out and you're seeing if you can replicate. Do you find that those kind of videos do really well on your channel compared to doing just like a straight up demo? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, and that is probably the types of video that I, videos that I enjoy the most doing as well. Um, and there are so many factors uh, to it. I think they enjoy it because it's interesting. They can tell that I am really into it. And I, th it's also really difficult with, uh, the YouTube, uh, guitar audience with like placing, um, products that, that has been sent to me on the channel, which is very common on like every other tech channel or YouTube channel. But people are not a huge fan of that in the, in the guitar community. I try to be very open about it. Like this one is placed on the channel. I'm getting paid for it. And people, a lot of people are going like, meh, not, not that interested then. But with those videos, I'm buying everything myself. Uh, so it seems more genuine and maybe it is as well. Uh, so yeah, those videos are very popular and it's it's something that I like to watch myself as well. Yeah. Um, I like tone chasing videos. I, I just find them super interesting. Uh, and it's never that I necessarily need to to know how to make that sound because I wouldn't um, I wouldn't use it necessarily myself, but oh. uh, I've been able to do it once and I can move on, sort of. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there's like a challenge element to it, right? So I'm wondering, do you think it's possible for YouTube demos to kind of go with like you were mentioning earlier themes? Like, let's say I don't know, a company sends you a pedal and they give you, you know free range to do whatever you want with it. Would you ever be inclined to say, okay, they sent me a clone type pedal. Let's see if I can replicate like the top five songs that use a clone. Do you think a company would go with that or they would go like, nah, I just want you to twist the knobs and show what it does. Oh yeah. I, I've, I've done that a lot of time. I, I, I bet I've even done exactly the video that you <laughs> no, mentioned yeah. that. <laughs> I was just coming up yeah. with it. Very but. possible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a lot of them are into that. Uh, I think there was a transition a few years back that most companies would be, ah, we just want a demo. But now most of them are really tuned into what works on YouTube and they would even suggest that. Yeah. Um, uh, so that's, that's something that I've done a lot. And... But it's a bit different from uh, pedal to pedal or with some gear it works. But for example, a lot of the the videos that I've done when I bought stuff, it's usually old crappy gear. And it's a bit difficult to insert 
like a sponsored uh, pedal into that uh, video. But yeah. sometimes, sometimes like with the Queens of the Stone Age, it could be me buying an old Ampeg amp. But I know for, uh, that um, they used a Boss pedal uh, to get that sound. And then I've talked to Boss and they've sent a pedal and they've sponsored the video. So it's 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 absolutely possible to combine those two worlds. But I, I do, in most cases, feel most free to do whatever I want when I, when I don't have any brand uh, put into... Uh, the videos. Uh, the best thing for me is really uh, to make the videos that I want to do. And maybe if I need to get paid for, like, I buy stuff for those videos to not lose money, I, I try to get a sponsor that is just something completely different, like a website thing, Squarespace or Skillshare or whatever then I think people can see the content as really genuine and they can watch the ad for Squarespace if they want to and they know that this doesn't have anything to do with the tone he's ending up with. It's just yeah. him getting paid. So yeah, that's that's a long answer to that. But uh, I definitely do the thing that you, you talked about. Uh, but okay. right now I feel that like... It is a bit difficult because I've done it um, too much. So I'm not sure how I could come up with any good ideas like that anymore because I've done it. I've done it a lot, actually. Okay. Um, last week we had um, Andy, the the guitar geek, on on the yeah. podcast, and we were talking quite a bit about the um, about the mental health aspect of being a content uh, creator and um, I I would like to know how you deal with that topic specifically specifically because um, I mean a lot of people don't want to admit it but you know um, hurtful and uh, non-constructive comments on the videos can affect uh, people and they actually do affect people and I've seen people be like uh like falling below uh heavily because they 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 don't know how to deal with it or they they can't deal with it so um uh and since you have a a 10 year history with with YouTube I would like to know how you deal with it usually if if you see do you ignore them or do you engage with them um i th I think the the thing on YouTube that affects me the most is not the comments, but the constant struggle of being relevant on YouTube. That's the mm. thing that gets to me. Mm. Um, but uh, for example, I'm I'm on a three-month uh, suspension from being monetized on YouTube right now, and I don't what? even know why. <laughs> what? What? Uh, yeah, like. Um, I think it's close to three months now that my channel was demonetized which means there are no ads on my channel right now and that is around like 40 percent of my income just gone in yeah. a day oh. um, so stuff like that gets to me uh, and trying to deal with youtube getting an explanation to why this happened 
it's not like I have a very controversial channel at all. <laughs> it's no. guitar gear. Um, and yeah, getting views and stuff, that, um, that's the thing that gets to me. Uh, and the comments, of course, can be really annoying. But it's usually I deal with it okay when YouTube in general is okay for me. When YouTube is stressful for me, I get super pissed off about the comments as well. Okay. And yeah. I, I don't care too much about the comments that are like you're ugly and stuff like that. But it's, um, I don't know how to describe it even, but it's just like people complaining over stuff that that's my choice. I made this video just the way I wanted it to be. So don't come here and complain. Go make your own video. That's when I get yeah. like super pissed off, and I sometimes, yeah, write back, and I can be pretty, pretty angry and maybe not too nice sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but but I mean, you have a right to be right. You people are not forced to sit there and watch your videos. They yeah. clicked on the video, right? And if they're not happy with it, like let's say we met in person, we didn't know each other, and I look at you and I say, Eric. I don't like your sweater. Yeah. You would look at me and say, fuck off. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? And and what what could I do about it? Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, look, dude, you should have put on proper clothing if you're going to go in public. You would grab me by the scruff and go, yeah. say, are you okay? What's wrong with you? Yeah. But on, on your YouTube channel, I feel like that's what it is, too. If some schmuck mm. comes along and makes a comment that's really stupid, my preferred way of doing it is this hiding the user from the channel that way i don't have to fucking deal with them anymore i'm like okay you're just a dumbass i can tell by the the way you're phrasing your statement that you're not looking to have a normal debate you want to yeah. piss me off you want to me to engage negatively with you and i just hide them but sometimes i get the one person that just writes the most outlandish stupid thing yeah and then instead of getting like super angry about it I just try to be witty. And my wife says, you shouldn't even bother. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm tearing this guy a new asshole. Yeah. <laughs> just give me a second. <laughs> right? And I go in there and I'm like, if we met, dude, you would not talk to me like that. So I'm going to let you know, these are my terms. It's my channel. I do what I want. If you don't like it and everyone just bails out and I lose all my subscribers, I will not cry. I'll move on. I'll find something else. Yeah. I'm doing this for fun. I'm doing this for the creativity. If I can get a little bit of kickback in terms of money so I can keep supporting what I do, great. But for me, just like you, Eric, this is a creative outlet. I'm trying to have fun, but I'm also trying to give back to people. This is not like self-gratification. I'm not doing it just for me. I'm doing it because I want people to hear the gear, get a good sense of what it does. But you always have the person that comes in, they're like, why do you play these overpriced guitars? Why do you play these overpriced amps? I'm sorry. That's what I play. Why Why do you feel so like crushed by the idea that someone would have better gear than you? It happens. I played shit gear forever. Yeah. And now I'm trying to like soup it up. Just, no, it's for me. It's it, I'm not playing these amps for other people. I'm doing it for myself. But you always have the one person saying, you know, you're playing overpriced guitars. And then when you play cheap guitars, you got some schmuck coming in saying, why are you playing a squire? Yeah, yeah. Yep. It's not a real guitar. It's like, oh, 
So if you try to please everyone, you'll please nobody. No, exactly. Yeah, and yeah, and sometimes some uh, comments, probably the comments that gets to me are things that I know I can uh, improve on. Uh, then I need to like work on myself a bit because okay, if this is like the fifth uh, person telling me that my guitar tone is always a bit too dark, then I probably should try to look into that. And those those comments can really piss me off as well, but it's because I know there's something there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they they hit a nerve. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I I, I had that when I started out, like. I had to talk and I, I would script everything. So it would look like Dawn of the Dead, like, hi, welcome to the channel. <laughs> and I had some people call me out on it. I was so angry. Mm. I was like, I'm trying. I, I, but, you know, you're talking to a damn camera. It, how, what is natural about that? It's like if you saw a guy, uh, some dude randomly talking to a banana, You'd be like, what the hell is wrong with this guy? Mm. But that's what we're doing. We're, we're talking to an inanimate thing in front of us, pretending that we're having a conversation, yeah. which is not natural. But eventually you end up getting it. For me, it took 480 something videos to actually start to get somewhat comfortable yeah. in front of the camera. But you always have someone coming in and they always have something. You're not perfect enough and they'll let you know. And that's when it hurts. It's when it's like, Hey, you got sausage fingers. I'm not going to go like cut them off and get some extensions <laughs> just to get really nice, like Avon lady fingers for you. It's like, that's what I got. I'm going to work with it. Yeah. You know? So some comments like that are irrelevant, but it's when they really hit the nail on the head and you're in one of those moods where you're like, don't fuck with me today. Yeah. And then you look at it and you're like, oh, son of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what are you supposed to do? Like I got one video where I I'm doing like an, a, the using the AC 15 with an ABY pedal, but I'm standing so close to the camera. I have people saying, Whoa, buddy, back off. You're way too close to the camera. It's filmed. I can't tell myself on camera to back the fuck off. Yeah. I recorded it that way. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you're stuck looking at my big ugly face in the camera. I mean, it's like learning experience or one video I made where like I was looking at how heavy an amp was. So I say 12 pounds, but it's actually 12 kilograms, which is not the same thing. Yeah. Hmm. You wouldn't believe how many people still write to me saying, uh, idiot, it's 12 kilograms, not 12 pounds. I made that video four years ago. Yeah. I still get that comment. <laughs> There's so many old videos that that gets comments like that, and I usually just comment to them that that um, okay, I will reshoot the video, and I I will send it to you, just you. And <laughs> can you give me the email address, and I will send it to you as soon as it's done. I'm working yeah, on it video now. Video request. <laughs> it's yeah. this is this is this is uh, super weird. What I what I did for quite some time, and I st completely stopped doing, um, at some point, and I don't know how it happened, but people kind of got wind uh, that I have an extensive history in this industry as far as like working at retailers, working with distributors, uh, and working with brands directly. And, and I was involved in the development of, of some products as well, that they kind of used my channel as like a consulting space 
where they <laughs> yeah they were, I was I was doing a video and then they were like asking me questions like if it was a guy standing in a fucking store and he was like so uh, what can I do with these outputs? And um, are the other ones capable of transporting symmetric signal as well? And um, how many effects can I apply on this? I'm like, dude, there's every manufacturer has a website. So you can go there and it has all the answers. No, but you're watching the video and it's like, well, I can as well just ask the guy, you know? He has time. Sure. Yeah. And at some point uh, yeah. I stopped doing that because it's it's it, it was like, so time consuming and then it i saw it happening on four-year-old videos it was so i was like no way <laughs> no chance <laughs> yeah you're like i like yeah. i i often get questions about gear and sometimes it's almost like hey can you pick out everything for a new rig for me guitar cables pedals and amps oh. and i really want to be a nice guy but i'm like i i don't have time to do this i <laughs> Like and how can I monetize it? Uh, monetize it? It's impossible. Like I can't really tell them if you pay me a hundred bucks and I will make your rig. Like, yeah, you, know. you could. You could I, though. I, you, I, could, uh, you could. Yeah, you could. Yeah, offer probably that. Could, yeah. You know, you yeah. you could probably yeah. uh, say um, because you have a reputation and you have experience with gear. You could probably say, "Hey, here's a website. Um, you know, I can I can do all the rig thing for you." Um, just you know, wire me two hundred bucks, and uh, I'll have it done by you to for you by the end of the week. You probably could do that. <laughs> Good yeah. idea. And, and you could also take the concept of the question and turn it into a video that would be interesting. Let's say someone says, uh, "My budget's five hundred bucks. What would you buy?" Yeah. And then you're like, "Okay, well, right now, if I had just five hundred bucks for amps and pedals and cables and stuff." let's see. And you could make a video about that and you would show like what gear you would have and why you would make that decision. And maybe mm. whenever you get that question in the future, you can just send them back to this video. What amp do you recommend under 500 bucks? I made a video on that. Here it yeah. is. That's, that's the answer to your question. And that could also maybe be one of those videos where you could like just borrow the stuff without having like a sponsor. So that way, you kind of build that trust like you didn't get any of the gear for free mm. it just like really went out borrowed some stuff and you're like this is what i would do with my knowledge currently of the guitar industry and the value of stuff this is what i would buy i actually thought about doing that some time back but i don't make enough money from the channel like i can buy guitar strings <laughs> at the end of the year with the money i make on adsense <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but i can't go out and buy a rig like forget about it so, but I mean, sometimes I, I try to see opportunities from questions, especially if they keep like their reoccurring questions, like what tubes would you put in this amp? I don't know, just buy them, but it's like, okay, I don't like the speaker. I want to keep the amp, but what speaker would you go for? What style of music do you play? And sometimes that like just sparks an idea. You're like, okay, so you're playing a Vox AC 15 and you want to play death metal can the Vox AC-15 do death metal? Well, let's go and see. So then I see a, like an opportunity there with a simple question. And I'm actually working on that video right now. So nobody steal my idea, please. <laughs> so I'm going to, so I'm going to like have this little AC-15. I'm going to be like, yeah, can it do death metal? And I'm going to have like choice pedals and I'm, I'm going to give it a shot. And people can say like, it sounds like shit, dude. It doesn't sound authentic. Oh, well then what is the key to death metal? 
Is it like a 50 watt amp, a hundred watt amp? Does it have to be a Marshall or angle? And you know, that can sometimes lead to a new series that you can work on. It's like the authenticity of the tone that you want. Where is it? Is it in how much money you spend? Is it in the specific gear that you buy? Yeah. Can you only do like gent or deathcore with like, uh, I don't know, like Seymour Duncan blackouts or EMG 81s, or can you do it with a Telecaster? And then people go, this fucking stupid. Yeah, but you still clicked on the video, didn't you? Yeah. Oh, it's like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's funny. It. It's a, um, people's, uh, people's expectations are always so... The a they're very unique and and b they're so far away from from what you're willing to actually put into. It's like you already put a lot of work into a specific video or in a specific topic or something, and you're like you did so much, and then people expect something vastly different or vastly like yeah uh, superior from you. Uh, it seems like they they always expect you to to be ten times as good as them. They're they wouldn't be able to even, you know, cross the bar towards you. But uh, you said that you mm. are not so much into guitar gear anymore. You're like you're, you're less interested. Um, yeah, like that is partly true, at least. Maybe new guitar gear, um, like. Um, I used to be more stoked on like everything that came out, uh, mm -hmm. but I'm still. It sounds like I'm not interested at all, and that is not true. Uh, I'm, I'm still no, no, no. like, uh, <laughs> yeah, but no, I, no. I think it, it comes off like that a bit when I okay. when I say it. That uh, I'm just like tired of every everything, mm -hmm. uh, but um, but I, I think maybe now it's more. I'm more interested in specific gear. Uh, and that okay. can be old gear. It can be new gear. Gear that other people are not that interested in. It can be just a a a thing that no one really cares about, like a AB splitter that I'm mm. using every day in my studio. Uh, that I find that more interesting than um, a thousand dollar pickup set from pickup set <laughs> 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 well i knew a guy that was gonna send you a set but <laughs> no. i to be like that eric <laughs> yeah it's um it's that yeah my the, the the thought behind this question obviously was like so since nam is around the corner and like there's uh so much uh in quotes new stuff coming out lots of lots of it is like to me it's kind of refurbished stuff if Fender comes out with new guitars, then then it's it's stuff that you know they saw that uh, seems to be resonating with people, and now they're just coming out with the Squire version of it. Or Ibanez coming out with new guitars, yeah, they're changing the color palette every year, and they're adding yeah. new colors. That seems to be like Ibanez's game for uh, a couple of years now, apart from a few models. But like, what was the the last piece of new gear that came out that you were really excited about and maybe you actually got one? Ooh. Um that's a really good question. Um the stuff that I've accepted on my channel for reviews, um that's usually stuff that I'm um stoked on, but uh, I haven't bought it. Uh, it's still a part of a deal, sort of. So, 
Um, I might be a bit biased there. Um, hmm. I th actually, uh, the new camper is probably uh, the th a thing that I will buy. The small one. Uh, yeah. yeah. I'm I'm super late to the camper party. Like I oh. got one last year. Um, I did try one when they came out many mm. years ago. I was working in a guitar store. I really, I don't really didn't have a, an opinion about it then. But I was into amps. So why get a camper? But um, I got into campers last year because I, I was reviewing uh, the Tonex software mm -hmm. where you can do basically the same thing. And that sounded really good. And I have a lot of old amps. Uh, and I thought, I just want a hardware version of this. And that was uh, the camper then. That was before mm -hmm. the Tonex pedal. So I got a camper and I've been really into campers after that. And um, the new one, the small one, seems seems great. Um, so that's probably a thing that I will get. And that seemed really cool. Uh, other than that, I'm not sure. Um, I've, I've been getting more like outboard stuff, which mm. isn't directly connected to guitars like I could use those for other things as well and mics and stuff like that um, the last pedal uh, was um, the new Kernum Moho Fuss okay. which is oh, yeah. really good um, I'm not sure right. if you're familiar with Kernum but it's yes. a yep. French company Yeah, so they did a overdrive distortion last year and they did a Fuss now um, and it's fantastic Okay, interesting. Yeah. yeah, I was I was wondering about this uh, thing that there was a there was a pretty huge hype around it because they kind of they crowdfunded the whole thing in the first place. Like the, oh, the really? I think the yeah. overdrive. Yeah, I think the overdrive was actually crowdfunded, and um, it was very successful for being a guitar pedal that's crowdfunded. Obviously, it's it's not going to make millions yeah. of, in crowdfunding, but it definitely went very well. Um, as far as the funding goes and then from there on obviously it gained the interest of uh distributors and stores and then at some point Enderton's had it and whatnot so uh yeah I, I think it was quite interesting how that um how that turned out for them and regarding regarding the camper the small camper we like two weeks ago we we talked about that in the in the podcast as well um and we were told by 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 Richard that um, most people that he knows, um, they say that the Tonex is still, uh, like, they said it's unbelievably good. I haven't tried it myself, but they, that, but they say that in, in terms of, like, what the Kemper does and what the Kemper's known for and what the Tonex does, the Tonex is, like, that little extra bit better or more realistic or more detailed or however you want to call it. Um, yeah. Was that your experience as well? Um, no, I don't think so. But it's re it's really difficult to do a good A/B test. Uh, okay. Uh, but I was surprised about uh, the Tonex software. It sounds amazing, and the the pedal sounds the same. So that one is great as well. But I. It is so difficult to to profile, or it's not called profiling when it's called 
when it's with the tonex it's called modeling mm -hmm. or capturing capturing that is so difficult compared to the camper like okay. i do sell some camper profiles and i wanted to sell tonex uh, captures as well but it's so difficult to to make them compared to the camper so i i haven't mm. um uh, invested any more time with the tonex i just sold my tonex pedal actually uh, okay. So I haven't really tried it that much, um, but I've heard some different hmm. experiences. I've I follow a Tone Junkie profile on YouTube. He's hmm. like one of the biggest when it comes to making good um, camper profiles, and he's doing Tonex. He's doing the other ones. I don't remember. XFX. Yeah. And yeah. He, he and he says that like still he thinks camper is like the best thing okay and i haven't really tried the other stuff as much and i haven't tried tonex that much but to me i i think i agree with him hmm. but that's also a bit because i find the whole um hardware the process of profiling a lot easier on the camper which is kind of important um, hmm. as well yeah, it's uh, mere seconds with the camper. You get the, the beeps and boops, and that's yeah. it. It's done. It's ready to go, and you can refine it. You can do everything. From what I can tell with uh, the videos I've seen about the Tonex, it's a much longer process to do that. So it's like here I live in an apartment, and I have neighbors. So if I have this, like, the, the, the camper making, like, really loud noise, but for, like, 30 seconds at a time my neighbors are not going to complain. But if it takes a half hour, yeah. I might get a knock at the door. So I think like if they could refine that with the Tonex, just make the process a little shorter, perhaps it's going to be able to compete with the Kemper. Because like I said, the Kemper here it could be like 11 in the morning. I'm going to stick a microphone in front of the cab. I set this guy up and it's like really loud for 30 seconds. That is yeah. it. My profile is done. Yeah. You know? And usually when I do the packs that I'm selling, I'm it's probably around 10 or 15 profiles with different pedals and different mics and stuff. Uh, you're able to do that in half a day with a, with a camper. Yep. Uh, that with a Tonex yep. would be uh, two days, probably. Wow. That's a huge wow, okay. difference. And my biggest issue with uh, with capturing with the, with the Tonex is the way you set it up and you have to route the signal through something and I like the last time I tried to do it I wasn't able to do it uh, I wasn't able to get the right signal back to the app mm. I'm I'm I am a bit stupid mm. uh, um, which explains part of it but it should be easier mm. and with the camper it's uh, it is very easy yeah. <clears throat> it's been streamlined have you experimented because you say you have your own packs have you experimented with the liquid profile which is a new feature with the the camper have you tried that out no um not yet um and i think part of that reason is because um like the amps that i profile they are not on there to say it carefully oh. <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay yeah, yeah, since yeah. i do like old amp pegs and old PV transistor amps. Um, but you can still use uh, the liquid part for the things that I do, but it would be like a Marshall uh, voicing with an Ampeg. Oh, okay. So yeah. Uh, and I don't 
think they will ever put any of my amps into the the liquid thing, the list there. So okay. yeah, I haven't dug too deep into it. Um, now yet, I now I now I now yeah. I kind of understand what this liquid profiling is is about. So Kemper actually needs to implement that type of amp into the whole firmware in order to be able to have the liquid profiling because that the the liquid profiling so same as you like 10 years ago or something something around 10 years ago uh when the camper the first camper came out i um uh the guys from camper came to the shop where i was working um and uh they were like hey uh we have this thing would you like to test it and then we tested it and we we're like okay yeah interesting hey, you can have this one for like three months like to check it out. So I took it home. I was like, okay, I kind of studied it. And then I was like, okay, cool. Let's go to the session room. We had a connected studio with the session room. Uh, and let's profile my amps, but let's do it properly, like with a good mic preamp, with a good mic and everything. And I did that. And I, I did my VH4 and we did uh, an old angle that sounded really good and an old Marshall. <clears throat> and then I took those back into my home studio. I was like, that's cool. But then it sounded kind of boomy and I was turning the bass and I was like, okay, that that doesn't sound right. That is not the bass of my Plexi. And yeah. that was not the bass of my VH4 and, and whatnot. So that was yeah. always mm -hmm. the thing that kind of turned me off when it comes to the Kemper because as so if you stick with the profile as it is, it was it would sound great as soon as you have to adapt things it was just made up it didn't exist you know yeah but do you think they have improved that even before the liquid profiles no i no. don't okay. i don't i don't think so at least i didn't well if they did i did i didn't get the didn't get mm. the info but apparently now with this liquid profiling where they can when they where they implemented some of those basic models into the firmware and you apply it apparently yeah. there is some more reality to what's happening when you actually need to turn the knobs yeah yeah i'm, I'm not sure where the eq is set with uh, the camper so i might be talking out of my ass here i don't really know but i get the impression that the eq section is post the profile so that's why you get like really boomy or really bright. And my understanding is that the liquid profile is supposed to act more like what the EQ would react like in the amplifier. Mm. That's been my understanding so far. Yeah. So that's probably where you're saying, uh, Frank, that, you know, it's like you profile your amp and the moment you want to EQ a bit, it doesn't react the same way because it's a static. Yeah. If you want sonic representation of whatever you recorded so if there was already a lot of low end and you're amplifying it it just gets boomy it doesn't react like an amp that has an eq section and it gets more gainy because you're putting more frequency through uh the the input yes. of the amplifier your post the amplifier so that might be like one of the downfalls or the pit if you will with uh profiling but if you can nail <clears throat> excuse me if you can nail that sound to begin with, like get like the perfect mix ready sound and you don't have to touch the EQ, then it's cool. And that's where something <clears throat> like the player, the Kemper player is great. Cause if you know your sound is dialed in and all you're dealing with is presets, 
that that makes a lot of sense. Like I'd be curious to try that as well. Yeah, yeah I I still do a lot of uh, tweaking um, on the EQ on my profiles, and I have success with that. Uh, but I haven't been able to uh, to comp. I don't have a control room and a live room, so it's harder for me to compare like directly how my amp sounds through everything. And when I turn the EQ on my amp, uh, it is probably different. Uh, but uh, still, mm-hmm. I'm um, I'm tweaking a lot on my profiles from song to song, and I'm I'm having good results with that. But I I bet it's uh, even better with the liquid profiles. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> so um, if you look at the um moving away a little bit from gear although i have a last question you said you said that you nowadays you're like more excited about um that you purchase a lot of outboard gear uh which i find to be really interesting because i see that there is a tendency for people to work in the box you know and work uh with stuff that the computer uh provides or they have some kind of external dsp solution and you say that you like to work with uh, um, outboard gear. Anything in particular that that you're looking for? Is it EQs? Is it compressors? What kind of stuff are you like hunting? I I think the the biggest reason to why I needed need to have it here, like physically, is because of um, uh, the camper process i don't want to talk too much about the camper i'm i'm really hooked on that yeah currently, no but, worries it's all good yeah, but <laughs> yeah i i need to have it like in the chain so it's it's i i guess i could do some routing and using plugins and different stuff but it's just more easier and more convenient to having it right in front of me in the chain uh and i'm getting a bigger fan of just like Having a completed guitar signal going into my DAW. Um, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm I'm not very nostalgic when it comes to gear. I just want it to be mm. easy, and f- mm. for some reason that has been the way for me. I don't have a lot of outpour gear at all. I have a like combined preamp and EQ, and I'm looking into getting uh, probably a compressor. Uh, as well um so yeah i just it's most mostly because of the camper thing when i do profiles i need to have a like perfect signal going back to my camper mm. uh, but also when i do record with amps i just like to dial in the tone as close to the end result as possible and uh, mm-hmm. don't um, use too many plugins i don't have anything against plugins i've learned everything with using plugins it's i guess it's maybe a challenge for me to okay to see how close i can get to the end result of just like doing everything with my eq and my preamp and mic placement and stuff like that yeah uh, same here i'm that's uh... I'm, all, I'm also trying to be as close as possible to the sound that i the, uh, how I want it to sound like, and then maybe I use plugins to make uh, the sound sit well in the mix. But I wouldn't like kind of 
go and uh, I'm I used to be a fan of reamping. I'm not so much these days. These days, I'd rather be on on spot with the sound and be happy with it and just make sure it sits well within the mix of you know things, but not like sit there and like oh now i have 20 cabinets i can choose from and yeah. 120 <laughs> mics and i'm like i'm gonna sit here for two days <laughs> yeah yeah it's uh we, we talked last week about um because andy mentioned that you almost have to be adhd to do youtube because you have to know a bunch of stuff and you have to be able to dive into subjects yeah and i found that the issue that you have when it comes to recording is uh, option paralysis yeah. you have too many eqs too many cabinets so what i've done just to stop the adhd thing from driving me completely bonkers is i streamline my workflow so i know what i have to put on so i don't put on any like fancy eq or anything i just make sure that all my videos meet the requirement for youtube which is i think is like minus 14 uh luffs uh, for for the range that they want so i just make sure i have a limiter on there mm. there's nothing else and a lot of people complain about like not like, putting too many plugins just to enhance the sound and i find that the more i want to enhance the sound the more i fuck it up mm. so yeah. i just don't put them on anymore yeah. so i trust my ears i just put you know sometimes i put a microphone in front of uh, the amplifier and i know where it's going to sound best because i've done it like a hundred times so now I trust the process. And just like you, Frank, I don't do any more reamping. I still have reamp box and DI boxes, and I haven't used them in years. Yeah. Just because it's far too much work, you know? I remember one of the first videos I did, I had two cabs. I couldn't decide between the two cabs. I had like four microphones. I couldn't decide between the microphones. So now I'm like fucking around with the different mics, and now they're out of phase because I didn't know too much about like a phase correlation between the microphones. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, this sounds like crap. So I had to re-record everything with the two mics, <laughs> and I was hell-bent on using two mics, but I didn't know like that I could use a white noise, uh, not white noise, but pink noise to go through the amp and find the phase cancellation. So all the experience that I accumulated has brought me to like, Keep it simple, stupid. Kiss. Yeah, yeah. That's been my motto now for a few years. Yeah. Don't overthink it. Try to get as raw a sound as you can get. And I still get compliments on the sound, which is good. But sometimes I get people that say, I don't know, man. My amp doesn't sound like that. Your amp in your room, of course, will not sound the same. It's not the same room. <laughs> right? And it's not under the, the microscope with a microphone either. Yeah. So mic placement, a lot of people don't think about it. And I'm going to get nerdy here. But your microphone is the first EQ that you introduce to your whole signal chain. Yeah. And a lot of times when we start out, we just think that this just captures sound. But it doesn't just capture sound. It captures sound with a spectrum of frequencies that it enhances and scoops. And, you know, it band passes sometimes. Nice. So when you start to learn that about microphones, you're like, oh, shit, should I get like a Royer 121? So I get like the most high fidelity sound or an MD 421. Like where do I put my money? And here I am still just using a short SM 57 in front of the cabinet. And I don't overthink it. <laughs> like I will not buy a $10,000 microphone to make YouTube videos. I will not do that. <laughs> yeah. That being said, the Roya R one to one is definitely, it's definitely a great mic, uh, for amplifiers. Um, used it numerous yep. times and i think 
that one blended with an SM57 is my all-time uh, favorite combination when able to use two mics without fucking things up. So, um, yeah, yeah, agree. R one to one. I got um. Since I can't afford uh, for the uh, Royer R one twenty one, I got this instead. Super Lux. It's like I think one hundred twenty nine bucks. It's a ribbon microphone. So I was like, okay, I can't afford like to spend that much money on another microphone. So I gave this one a shot, and I wasn't too sure. I was like, cheap microphones. Is it kind of like cheap pedals? Does cheap equate to like really poor sound quality? No. And it turns out this microphone is actually really good. It's dark like a, you know, ribbon microphone should be. And it pairs well with the SM57. So yeah. I'm having fun yeah. with it. Now, I don't have to overspend on stuff just to get quality. And I think that's the other point, too, with gear is that we're at a point where you can get, like, a ribbon mic for $129, <laughs> where before you couldn't do that. No. You know, they were really expensive. They came with their own preamps. And you had to be sure not to turn on phantom power or you could blow up the microphone. Yeah. Nowadays, it's like th this mic I just show you works with phantom power. Yeah. It's like, don't have to worry about it. Oh, yeah. Gear. Have too much. <clears throat> no, you, you, you can never have too much. Um, one uh, question. Should say that to my one wife. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> one, one question. One question <laughs> away from away from gear. What kind of what kind of music? If you're enjoying music these days, if you if you're listening to stuff, what kind of music are you enjoying these days? Um, I I need to I need to have a look um, on Napster. I mean Spotify. <laughs> uh, Nap <see>. Napstify. <laughs> Napstify. <laughs> Uh, I've been listening to a lot of Turnstile uh, lately. Okay. Newer band. Um, I discovered them a couple of years ago. Uh, they're, they're, that's a band that I think everyone should uh, check out. Young band from uh, Baltimore, punk. Um, it's, it's one of those bands uh, that I think they're just as good as the bands uh, were back when I was more into music. Okay. Um, yeah. Other than that, it's a lot of recycled stuff. I do listen to Queens of the Stone Age still a lot. They're my favorite band. Uh, Radiohead. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe you heard of them. And um, this is a band that I listened, uh, listened um, a lot to. And you will know us by the trail, the trail of, dead. of dead. Yeah, good. That's yes. a that's a really that's a really good band. Um, yeah, I, I almost like. I usually go a couple of years uh, not listening to them, forgetting about their existence, and then I rediscover them. So I've been listening yeah. to them a lot lately. Yeah, um, yeah, they're like them and Queens of the Stone Age, really important bands to me because they. They they're really good at making guitar music still, yes. uh, without being like too attached to the '90s or '80s or like early two thousands. Uh, they're still doing kind of new stuff. Um, but with Queens of Stone Age, I'm I'm uh, I'm listening mostly to the older stuff. I'm not that into the newer albums, sadly. 
I wish I wish yeah. I liked them better. That would have been yeah. That that would have been my my question because um, same as you, I like the I like the old stuff. Um, I think that songs for the deaf is still a, one of the best albums uh, they they did. Obviously, yep. the albums before that as well. But I've been listening a lot to the latest album, um, and um, not only because my son likes them in the car, and then he's you know he's quiet and he's banging his head and he's likes it, he yeah. likes it. Um, but what I found out is that there are a couple of songs where I thought uh, Josh Homme was actually sounding more like David Bowie than yeah yeah than himself, um, <laughs> which yep. is which is interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, man. Like, uh, with the first couple of singles, I thought um, it, this is going to be a great album, and there are some songs on there that I like. Hmm. Uh, but but I don't know if it's me or if it's the band. Uh, I think it's close to impossible to make eight good albums. I don't think that's possible. Um hmm. Or at least for one person to like all albums from a band. I don't think I there's any band where I just like everything. Uh, yeah, so, difficult. Yeah, so I, mm-hmm. I I don't really blame them for it. They're mm. they're still doing their thing, but they're doing it in a slightly different way that I'm into. Mm. Yeah, so. I like initially wanted to make a video about it and almost like a ranty video, but <laughs> like, oh, then that, yeah, that's not a good thing. Worms, like, man. Uh, uh, I'm just a fan. They don't owe me anything. Uh, yeah. They're just doing their thing, and if I'm not that into it, it's it's fine. But I've been asked a lot about it. Because I do so, I've done so many like Queens of the Stone Age related videos on my channel. I get asked a ton about like, do you like the new album? And mm. I wanted to do a video on it, and I didn't. And I'm glad that I did not. I, yeah, I have an idea though for you, yeah. Eric. How about you do a video where you compare the sound from previous albums with the new guitar tone from the new albums? where you criticize the guitar tone. You say, hey, this was like this, and now it's like that. And then you can ask your audience, what do you think? Do you think the sound is the same, or do you prefer the new one or the old one? Yeah. So you can kind of get to address that, but through guitar. Yeah. Right? It's like like before, it seemed to me like they were more innovative about the their approach to guitar tone and what mics they choose and what amps they were choosing and stuff like that. And now maybe it's a little more polished and it sounds less refined and less exper- less experimental. Just give an, exa- an yeah. example here, but that could be that could be a fun video. Yeah, I, th- I th- that's really interesting because I wouldn't say that it's more polish- polished. Uh, I think it's I think they're going in the opposite direction. Yeah, by making yeah. it even more weird, like miking small amp from like like in the completely different end of the room like really weird miking uh techniques so i i'm almost thinking that the older tones are more like traditional in some sort of way and that they're stretching it a bit too far with the newer stuff but that's indeed a very good idea for for a 
I want you to Ew, make it. Yeah, and I can like <laughs> sneak in some um, some ranting about the new stuff without. Yeah, yeah, just these little clips that are like ten seconds, and then you get back to the guitar yeah. playing. People, what the hell was that? <laughs> sounds like sounds like good stuff. Yeah. Um, yep. We usually towards the end of every podcast we do the the rapid uh, the rapid fire question game which is uh jonathan's uh domain so i'm gonna uh, have jonathan take over for a round of funny questions that you're gonna have to to try to answer as best as possible <laughs> oh yeah cool i'm i'm it's actually my it's my only contribution to the podcast no <laughs> no. <laughs> no i'm just kidding <laughs> all right so eric uh i'm keeping it simple okay because sometimes Like I've seen people ask, like, "What's your favorite 30 guitar pedals?" And person's like, "What?" <laughs> so I'm keeping it at three. Okay, so three. Usually, the stream of mind can kind of follow along. So, out of all the amps that you own right now, what are your top three amplifiers? Um, I would say uh, the Ampeg VT40, which is a Queens of the Stone Age amp. Um, mm -hmm. I don't use it the same way they do so i i dare to put it on my list i've i think i've been able to make it make it a tiny bit myself so definitely okay. the vt40 um uh, i would say um uh, a deluxe reverb fender nice that's usually the thing that i put on um, like um the list when i was touring I felt really home with that. And for the last thing, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, my Silvertone 1483. You have you have an original one. Yeah. Wow. So nice. that was another thing that I was chasing uh, because of uh, Jack White from the White Stripes. He plays a 1484. The, mm. like the bigger one um, but mine is uh, originally a bass amp but it's fantastic on guitar it's mm. like mm. incredible it, it is really hard to deal with it's i think i've had it like serviced uh, at least a couple of times i've spent a lot of money on that amp it's not made to last uh, but when you have it uh, working it is amazing so that's definitely there on my list as well Very interesting choice. Now, your top three pedals. I know you own an original Klon, so I don't. I'm curious to see if it's going to make your <laughs> list or not. So, what what are your top three pedals? I think I'm putting that on there because um, just because the whole thing about Klons, like uh, I feel that I did a good investment. I made so many videos with it. Um, it yeah. sounds good for certain things. I wouldn't use it like as my daily overdrive pedal, but for certain things, it's really good. So that's on there. Um, and I really like the Boss SD1. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, really? Cool. Yeah, that was like the first uh, pedal that I got. Or I, I think I got the DS1 before mm. that, and I didn't like that one. So I got the SD1. And I still like that because it compresses the sound so much. Um, and uh, yeah, I just like the character that it adds. 
it has some issues, definitely, but it's still a good pedal. And I think the last one, I would say probably a Memory Man electroharmonics. That's like, you can just turn that on and it has a vibe that I'm really into. Yeah. I don't have one uh, at the moment, but I, I think I need to get one again. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that could make for a cool video yep. too. Uh, okay. So I know you have more than one guitar. So what are your top three guitars? Um, I would say right now it's my Gibson Explorer for the more heavy stuff. Uh, okay. I was just super lucky with that one. Found it on Facebook Facebook Marketplace. Uh, pretty cheap. Uh, that one is amazing. And then my Pine Home S... What is it called again? It's a Strat. It's a Strat um, replica. I made a video of okay. that uh, with the guy building it. Um, I was sort of like documenting the whole process. I've never been in, uh, that into strats, but that one is just um, amazing. <clears throat> uh, sorry. And my last one is my Fano PX6. That's like the best guitar that I have. I, st I started my YouTube channel with that uh, guitar. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, like, I, I when I started to follow you, uh, I, I'm trying to remember. I think it was like 2012, 13, something yeah. like that. Uh, I remember you were playing that guitar almost like exclusively yeah. for just about every video you did. Yeah. And I didn't know the brand at the time. So I was like, what guitar is that? Uh, does it have gold foil pickups in there? No, uh, it's um, Firebird style pickups. Firebird, they, that's right. A lot okay. of people yeah. mistake them for mini humbuckers. Um, okay. I thought they were mini humbuckers for many years as well, but there's a difference. Okay. Yeah. So my next question for you, I know you're a big fan of Queen of the Stone Age. What are your top three songs? Ooh. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, a millionaire <laughs> from songs for oh, yeah. the deaf. Yeah. <laughs> That's a banger. And, yeah, it's a total um, banger. And I appear missing, and first it giveth. Oh, yeah, yeah. First it giveth is 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 another one of those bangers. Every time that would run in the um, uh, there was this like sort of like rock metal discotheque that I would go um, like. Oh, 20, rock metal discotheque. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so here in my here in my hometown, so, there was there we have this this venue called the Live Music Hall, which is usually a concert venue venue, but they also host uh, parties in there. And on Fridays, you would have like a sort of eighties themed party uh, where like eighties music was on. And on Saturday, you would hold it. We would have an event that was called Rock Garden. And in Rock Garden, oh. they would they would have the starts at ten, but nobody goes there at ten, obviously. So like you enter at twelve and you're blasted away because like Corn or Slipknot was playing or like really like uh, heavy stuff. But they were playing everything, you know, from from Pearl Jam to Opeth, pretty much. And um, yeah, that's that's uh, where it going. And every time first it giveth uh, was on. I would storm the storm the dance floor and like go crazy because it was like 
it's it's such an amazing song to move weird to that <laughs> yeah <laughs> awesome Ooh. okay so my last question for you yeah. eric this is the infamous desert island question yeah. so let, let's not go in the weeds of if there's electricity and all that it's more of like what's your top like let's say one amp one guitar and a small board you could have as many pedals as you want on there what would you gig with for your own pleasure what would be the amp the guitar and the pedals um i would probably do the fano px6 as my guitar and maybe i i would just like skip the pedal board because i i could play like i could just turn up the amp mm. and i i would just enjoy that and and maybe the silver tone then i, I would yeah. need to bring mm. a tuner by the way uh, i'm just horrible at tuning by air so i <laughs> uh, a small pedal board <laughs> with a tuner uh. and maybe a, maybe a clone to push the amp a bit but yeah, I, I I would keep it pretty like minimal on on the pedal board, I think, um, and mm. just like be able to play loud. Um, yeah, maybe that's a bit boring, nice. but yeah, I think that's what I would go for. No, it, it's actually very very telling because I I do this now every time we have a guest, I ask them about gear, and it's really fascinating to see a more pragmatic approach to the gear. Like it just tells you that. If you had no choice, you know exactly what you would limit down yeah. to. Mm. If you were to ask me this question right now, today I would give you an answer that tomorrow would be completely different. Yeah. Mm. So today maybe I would plug into the amp I have right here beside me, and that would be my desert island amp. Yeah. But then I'd be screwed because then I would go on the island and go, why didn't I choose the Vox AC50? Like I just can't make up my mind, and I really enjoy the fact that some of you guys come on here and you know exactly what you would play. You're like that amp, that guitar, those pedals are no pedals. Yeah. I just can't make up my mind on these questions. That's why I asked them. Like if you were to ask me that, I wouldn't know what to answer you. <laughs> I really wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, and you know, <laughs> when gear, I was, man. when I was touring, I, I didn't tour a lot, but I did um, tour uh, a bit like in preparation for the tours. When, uh, I didn't do much. I made like massive pedal boards. Then I went on tour and I just like removed pedals, and I ended <laughs> up having mm -hmm. a really simple pedal board at the end of the each tour. Then I got back home and I started making big pedal boards again. So I, but <laughs> like when touring, I just like tore everything off, and I had a tuner and a delay, and an overdrive and maybe a reverb, and that was it. Um, even though I wanted mm. to have more stuff on there, I just like I didn't use it or uh, or it didn't work. So I always like picked off stuff and had a really small board. So I think that's that's where I I'm liking stuff actually. Yeah, it's um, it's very it's, interesting. It's, yeah, it's it's interesting you say that. So um, I. Uh, here in my hometown, there are a couple of like monthly uh, like jam sessions where I usually go to and hang out and, and play with other people. And uh, obviously, there's not much time to do lots of sound checking and stuff. You essentially you one like jam kind of group goes off and you go on and you have to start pretty much right away. 
Yeah. So, um, but in order to be happy with the stuff that's there, I, I take a small board that's battery powered. So I don't have to plug into any outlets or something. So Locked. like, a sm- yeah, small board with a, um, uh, yeah, with a, there's a, was it a Joyo PB05, something like that, where there's a, there's a, um, there's a battery in there that can hold up to six hours or something. And then wow. I'm obviously limited to, because it's a small board to two or three pedals. And yeah, sometimes I swap them, but uh, usually it stays the same. It's like, it's an, it's an overdrive. It's a, it's a boost and it's something to do some funky modulation stuff. Um, and I think if I was like forced to tour with that, I'll be totally fine. You can put that in front of every amplifier and get the sound that, you know, get the sound that you're happy with. Yeah. So, um, yeah, sometimes, um, sometimes Ingwie Malmsteen isn't right. Sometimes less is actually more, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) No, more is more. More is more. Where's the, where's the logic? I, I, I think this conversation has like inspired a new idea. I'm going to have to expand on it. But like, since I have like 200 pedals, I have, I don't know, close to 10 amps at this point and seven guitars. What would I do if I had to choose? Like, let's say economic times are here and I have to sell. Would I sell the expensive stuff so I can recoup some money or would I keep the expensive stuff? Like I'm trying to see like the consumer mindset, which I've never questioned in myself before, but hearing you guys like being able to streamline everything down to like really basic elements makes me wonder, am I overthinking the gear? Could I simplify it? Could I do YouTube videos with just like five pedals back there and I just grab what I need? Cause I always think that I need more. I'm like, what if I do a video on this and I'm not going to have that pedal and I'm going to be screwed. I'm going to have to buy it. Do I really need to be that authentic and hoard all this stuff just in order to make videos that I'm might get like a hundred views on? Yeah. Like, see what I mean? Yeah. It's like uh, the preparedness that I want in order to make the content makes me consume way more gear than I actually need. So um, I don't know. I'm going to let this one simmer, but maybe I'm going to have to make a video where it's like, what do, what do I do if I want to simplify this? Do I go digital? Like, do I just keep the HX stomp or the Kemper? Or do I keep analog? Like, where's my preference? Because I got a bit of yeah. everything. Hmm. And I think I'm probably being an idiot here and I got too much gear. So <laughs> I think my wife, my wife is right. <laughs> oh, <shit. laughs> I think there's like, God damn it. I've sold a lot of gear up and through the years. And I think there's, one thing that I miss that I regret selling and just like one thing. So I guess that I could do without a lot of stuff that I have. Mm. What did you, what did you regret selling? Uh, It was one of those big box uh, origin effects, uh, Cali 76 compressor. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. With the like Lundahl transformers. Yeah. Like they, they they are super expensive now and it's it was really really good so yeah I wish I had that one still yeah I but that's I the, hear you the only thing really yeah it's um it's funny that I I think I also just from this conversation I also just had a new funky idea because uh, since we talked about the clone sand tower that you own and and whatnot um I actually have up here in this uh uh register. Um, I actually have 
2000 um, Clon Centaur specific diodes. So really, uh, yeah, exactly. Um, I got them from a from a guy locally, um, some like old like Russian engineer who was getting rid of all the stuff in his workshop, and I bought transistors from him and um, and. He ha- they are like they're mint in the box by the way <laughs> and um so the wow. original like magic diodes and the clone centaur were all measured to be exactly 0.35 volts forward voltage and that's what these are they're like all of them they're like matched um and measured to be 0.35 volts uh and they're germanium so um uh, is that the one NE thirty four? Yeah, the one NE the, that's that's one. That's obviously the international uh, name for that diode. And then the Russians, uh, they have a couple of. Um, they they essentially made the same diode, but they had like they had like different names for different models. So. Uh, usually the the D9B is like like the closest, or the D9E is like the closest to the to the one that you just mentioned, the, the 34. Yeah. Um, but it's not so much about which one of the variants you get; it's about uh, how much forward voltage they actually right. produce, or where they where they cap it, where the clipping actually takes place. Um, and that guy, and that guy. And that was by Total Accident. I was like, um, "Oh, cool, cool! This guy has diodes," and I was using them for my for my for my own pedals as well. Um, some of the others that he has, and um, <laughs> and then he said, "Oh, I have these two. They're like still mint in the box, um, and they're like all of them. They're like they're like measured, so you don't have to measure them." And I was like, "Really? What the, are they measured to?" 0.35 volts. I was like, "Oh, <laughs> how much you want for those?" <laughs> and I bought them for a really good course. So. Since each clon has two of those, and I have two thousand, I can make one thousand clons. <laughs> right. I think I actually have some D nine E's as ma- as well in my yeah in my drawer. Yeah, I haven't measured them though. You you should. Yeah, I'm not I'm not cool like you guys. All I have is like a shit ton of guitar oh. picks. <laughs> Got a lot of them. <laughs> They're not in demand though. <laughs> Awesome! Oh my god! Um, yeah, you you should definitely, Frank, make a limited run, like clone style pedal. I, I I'm sure if you can think up a marketing scheme around it that would like really entice people, yeah. I'm sure people would go for it because I've we, we talked about the hype around uh, the germanium the tumnus, tum- uh, tumnus, yeah, and uh, yeah, and even the not a clone. I was like, people went ape shit over that one so i think there's still a really high demand for like clone style pedals yeah i'm talking so I'm, I'm, I, I think that would be probably yeah i'm currently talking to to a guy who makes uh these clone style enclosures but smaller so he makes them in, th- okay. in three different sizes because the original i haven't i have the original sized enclosure as well and it's so huge and there's so much space and there's unnecessary and people like to be like light and and compact and whatnot so maybe maybe I'll make a a mini version with uh, some modifications or something, and or stackable clones, two clones in one box, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or something like that. That would be cool. But with the mini enclosures, they they look like the original but yes. smaller. 
Yes. Wow, that's cool. That's the thing yeah. that I haven't seen before. Yeah, that they, they look mm -hmm. really good. And when I when I build a clone, what I usually do is I separate the um I separate the gain portions because the original clone has like this dual potentiometer that the more gain you add, the also the more direct signal you add. So you yep. maintain the clarity. And what I do is I separate those. So you can blend in purely dirty gain and clean gain. Um and I usually do a gain mod as well to to get it up cool. to like almost fuzzy territory, um, just mm -hmm. just as an option, which is which is a lot of fun. But yeah, maybe maybe I'll, I'll do a limited run. Let's see. Um, one uh, one little housekeeping thing before we close this down: we still have our giveaway running. If uh, as soon as we reach 250 subscribers, we are going to give away a um, Jupiter Effects Wallow and limited edition pink. So, for those of you who are listening and haven't subscribed yet, you could still do that. And um, yeah. Uh, next week's episode is going to launch a little bit earlier. We usually launch every episode Thursday, 10 a.m. Central European time, but due to NAM, this is going to be launched maybe a day or two days earlier. We want to be as close to the um, to the actual event. But uh, other than that, the only thing that remains for me is to say thank you, Eric. Thank you for taking for taking the time to talk to us. To um, it was it was really it was really entertaining. I've learned a lot and um, kind of got some insight into into your head and your way of doing things. So um, we really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. thanks Thank for you. having me on. It was really fun. All right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. Thank you guys for listening, and um, yeah, uh, talk to you in the next episode. Bye. Goodbye. Cheers. <laughs>